Hallelujah, hallelujah. More than anything, more than anything this world can offer, Lord, I love you more than anything. Praise the name of the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. It's good to know Jesus. Hallelujah. Lord, I love you more than everything. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Can, can you say that with a sense of consciousness this morning? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. There's nothing in this world to compare you with. Hallelujah. I've got to love you, Jesus, more than everything. More than everything, I got to love you, Jesus. More than silver, more than gold. Hallelujah. More than riches this world will ever offer. Hallelujah. Lord, I love you more than anything. Won't you just bless the name of the Lord this morning? Hallelujah. Such a powerful song. I love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Because he first loved us. Hallelujah. And gave us such a blessed, blessed, blessed salvation. Hallelujah. You may be seated in the house of the Lord this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It is good to be in the house of the Lord. Again, we want to greet each and every one of you in the wonderful name of the Lord Jesus Christ. To those who are joining us online, we greet you in the name of Jesus Christ. No other name like the name of Jesus. It is the only name that when it's uttered, when it's called upon, it affects the heavens. It affects the earth. And it affects beneath the earth, the underworld. It affects, when the name of Jesus is called, angels stand to attention. Hallelujah, hallelujah. When the name of Jesus is called, the saints, hallelujah, stands at attention. When the name of Jesus is called, the devils tremble. Praise the name of the Lord Jesus, hallelujah, hallelujah. That James told us that they tremble because they know he is one. Praise the name of, we're not confused this morning. We're just so grateful to the Lord for such, for granting us the uh, revelation of his name. We don't want to treat it, with, take it for granted this morning, but it is blessed to know him. It is a blessing to know who Jesus is. It is a blessing to be baptized and to be buried in his name and to be filled with his spirit. We don't want to take it for granted. Some have tasted of it and walk away, not knowing the value of what they have received. Treat it with disregard, treat it with contempt. Never make it the focus of their lives and they live substantial, um, substandard lives rather and uh, be, you know, certainly beyond the, the privilege that God has afforded them. But when we get to know Jesus, when we, when we get to understand how he died for us, how he shed his blood for us, then we have to fear him. Then we have to humbly approach him because we know that it is love that brought him to the cross. Love that this human mind can never comprehend. Love, hallelujah, allowed him to stay. Love allowed him to control his spirit because he could have destroyed those who tried to kill him. Those who put him on the cross. 
those who attempted to flog him, he could have one word from his lips, one word, hallelujah, could have destroyed them. But love kept him silent. Love, hallelujah, allowed him to hang, my God, be between the heavens and the earth. Love allowed him to be torn into pieces, for them to pierce his side, for them to pull flesh from his body, that you and I can be in the church this morning. To save outside the sacrificial death of Jesus. Outside of the cross, there's no salvation. Outside of the cross of Jesus, there's no hope. Praise the name of the Lord Jesus. I've often said men will always attempt to find a way to appease their conscience. Uh, but that's what we call a religion. God came into this world to offer us salvation. And salvation is in Jesus Christ. Salvation is in Jesus Christ. Jesus is revealed to be received of men that we might be saved. Bless the name of the Lord Jesus. I'm just so uh, excited one more time to be in the house of the Lord Jesus. And, and I'm depending on the Lord one more time this morning as I stand before you not to entertain, uh, not not to stand before you in the wisdom of men, but to depend on the wisdom that comes from above. Because in that wisdom, there's hope. In that wisdom, there's truth. In that wisdom, there's peace of mind. The wisdom of men brings confusion. Uh, you, 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 see, you, you can see it in the world right now. The wisdom of men cannot bring peace, but the wisdom that comes from above grants us peace of mind. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Now this morning, I want us to turn to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. Reading from verse 16, just two verses from First John chapter 2. And I'll read in your hearing. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. I'll read that again. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, number one, and the lust of the eyes, number two, and the pride of life. It is not of the Father, but it is of the world. That's a, that's a statement of fact, a summary of what this world is all about. Everything that you see in the world, John here summarizes it for us and tells us lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, 
and the pride of life. And he tells us that even though God created the world, what I'm talking to you about here is not of God. This product comes from our fallen status that this world is in. This is a product of sin entering this domain. It's a product of man rebelling against God. And the end result is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. It was never a gift from God, but it is from this world. And John goes on further to tell us that the world passeth away. And the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God. Abideth forever. He who does the will of God. Abides forever. The man who is inclined to obey God. The man who is inclined to believe in God. And to receive of him. His divine purpose and will, that man remains forever. The world in which he is a part of will pass away, but he is going to stand. Because in such a person, the spirit of God is, and the spirit of God is eternal. And because eternity is in him, the world is is going to pass away because it's going into judgment and it's going to be condemned but such a man will stand forever more forever the book of James chapter 1 let's go there and I'll read for you Verse 5. If any of you lack wisdom, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God that give it to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. What a powerful verse. Let me read it from the New Living Translation. Verse 5. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God. And he will give it to you. Think about it, brothers and sisters. Yeah. 
if you need wisdom, that means every man will have to do stock taking and to review his or her own life to see what's lacking. And if you have concluded that you lack wisdom, you need not worry. Because James says, if you need it, ask our generous God. And he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. He will not rebuke you for asking. Lord Jesus, give me wisdom. Lord Jesus, give me the wisdom that's from above. The wisdom that will uh, teach me how to live in this life at this time. Praise the name of the Lord. I really believe I hear some voices requesting of the Lord this morning. God, give me wisdom. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You can't have too much of it, brothers and sisters. You can't have too much of it. You have to ask for it. Ask God so often for wisdom. Because I, I dare not lean onto my own, on my own understanding. Because my understanding, my wisdom is going to lead me in the path of destruction. But the wisdom that comes from above, hallelujah. You can ask Brother Abraham. He found the wisdom from above and he found great success. Ask Brother Lot which wisdom he trusted in when he took off down to Sodom. Because he looked and he saw and contrast compared the, the garden of God with the plains of Jordan. That's a different kind of a wisdom. Praise the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, touch us this morning. Open our eyes, open our mind, open our spirit. Lord Jesus, touch me this morning. God Almighty, give me what to say. Lord Jesus, hallelujah, a word that will provoke us to righteousness. A word that will stir our hearts to come after you, to reach after you with our whole heart, with our whole mind. Lord Jesus, to serve you in spirit and in truth. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for an open door. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for this opportunity to stand before your people, Lord, which you have purchased with your blood. My God Almighty, hallelujah. They have not come to us as leaders, Lord. They are, they are here because of you, Lord Jesus. And we pray this morning that you'll give us the humility, Lord Jesus, how to deal with your people. Or to speak to your people. Or to God Almighty, hallelujah. To tend to the flock, Lord Jesus, that you have given us the authority to watch over. Lord God Almighty, I pray a blessing upon this congregation. In the name of Jesus Christ. And I say thanks one more time in your precious name. Amen. Come on, clap your hands and give God the glory. The book of James chapter 3 
of James chapter 3. James says, dear brothers and sisters, it's talking to the congregation. Not many of you should become teachers in the church. For we who teach will be judged more strictly. We who teach the word of God will be judged more strictly. What a rude awakening. Those who desire to teach should prepare their minds or should understand that they are going to be judged more strictly. Because whatever word you impart to the congregation, you've got to know that you have to live it. Not only that, but if you should say something that's not divinely given, that's contrary to the doctrine of this book, and we lead God's people astray, God will require it at our hand. So James says, it's all right if you don't have a desire to teach. Not many of us should desire to become teachers. It's not for everyone. Indeed, we all make many mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. What a statement. The power of the tongue. If we can control our tongue, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. This little thing, the tongue, if the preacher can control his tongue, he would be perfect. If we can control our tongue, we would be perfect and control ourselves in every other way. You can know who is a spiritual man by his speech. You, know, you can know how mature a believer is by his speech, what he says. You talk to some individual in the church and you can tell that he's not walking with the Lord. Sit back talking to some folks. As, as believers, you're excited about the Lord. You want to talk some things about church, about the word of God. You hear all that's coming out is investment. Stocks. Personal investments, retirement funds, and so forth. You can tell where the individual mind is. His vision, he has a vision for this world. 
not for the world to come. James goes on and he says, we can make a large horse. Have you ever seen a horse? I'm taking my time this morning. We, we have all seen a, I've seen a horse before. We admire the beauty of that beast. Muscular, tall. You know, he just dances across the hills, the rolling hills in the pasture. Or if it's on the track running. As long as we're not horse racing and gambling. All right. Don't say ouch. Hallelujah. But James says, we have the ability to make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. All you need to do is to put a bit in the horse's mouth and you have gained control over the beast. A little, a little jockey that sit on that beast he just want to ensure that there's a bit in the mouth. And he's going to steer that horse wherever he wants to. He controls him. James now looks on this ship. He says there's a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go. Even though the winds are strong. It doesn't matter what kind of wind is blowing. That small rudder gains, gives the, the sailor, the captain control over that ship. James says, in the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. The tongue. Boasts at itself. Speaks highly of itself. And Acts Herod. He got up and made such a speech. That the people gave glory to him. It's the voice of a God that speaks. And he, he received such glory. And the next thing, worms ate him. But James says, a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. We've heard about it this year. Different wildfires all across this nation and other parts of the world. You don't need a huge flame. Just a tiny spark at the right moment. When it's dry and hot, a tiny spark, and that one tiny spark will take out hectares of land and forest, burning uncontrollably. A firefighter's nightmare, all because of one tiny spark. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. This tongue, 
James Stone. I believe it. Probably it's not so with you, but the Lord says it in his word. The tongue. It is a whole world of wickedness. The tongue. A whole world of wickedness. All by itself. Corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire. For it is set on fire by hell itself. You give space to this tongue to control your life. You don't give, you don't surrender the tongue to God. You're going to set your whole life on fire. On its course to hell. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. See, we have some folks that believe they're so saved. Oh, I, 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 can, I have control. I tame it. The word of God is true. God is true and make every other man a liar. No one can tame the tongue. It is restless. Evil. Full of deadly poison. Brother, this is, a, this is an organ. This is a part of us. And James is telling us, as God inspires him to write, that the tongue is deadly. It's restless. Always want to say something. Always have a point of view that must be made known to everybody. Always wanting to boast. Always want to project oneself above another. The tongue. James says it is restless and evil. And when you say that word evil, all you see is a realm of darkness without light. Who can tell? Full of deadly poison. Now he goes on to tell us. Sometimes it praises our Lord. James is talking to a church. He's not, he's not writing to unbelievers trying to win them to the Lord. He's trying to straighten out a church. He says, sometimes it praises our Lord and Father. And sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. We just have praise and worship. And we sing, oh God, I love you more than anything. And we go out on the outside. Why pastor have to preach like that? I come for a different kind of word this morning. I who tell him something? Well, I can't bother. I can't. I can't be bothered with those kind of messages. 
boy, you, 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 you saw Ella Oren this morning. I'm just walking like that. And he never smiled this morning. Something around. While you're talking, Ella Oral passed by. Bless. Oh, God bless you, Ella Oral. And the next person who you're talking to, uh, the conscience is burning. I'm wondering, my God, is it two persons in one body? But you curse and then you bless. Evil, the tongue. Full of deadly poison. You see that boy? He's not coming to anything good. You say, when he comes to the altar and you want to pray for him, receive he the Holy Ghost. But you said he wasn't going to come to anything good. That means you're not qualified to pray for him. The tongue, brethren. The tongue. You don't understand something. You don't understand how the Lord is moving. I have 15, I have 30 years in church. I never see it like this. And a new thing they're bringing in. You know what? I'm just sitting down and I'm just watching. Because I can't see God in this. Start to cloud our mind with realms of darkness. And Satan will put something in your mind. But then you have to bring every thought, every vain imagination into subjection. But if you give the tongue the opportunity to express what is in your mind. Then right away you become defiled. Cannot be tamed. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. We bless and we curse out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. James said, let's think about it. How can we bless and curse out of the same mouth? What kind of a source is on the inside? Where does the blessing come from? Where does the curse come from? The believer has only one source or should only have one source on the inside that's govern, governing his or her life. So James now, he looks on the natural and he said, does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? In other words, take a walk with me. Let's go down to the brook. Let's, let's look. Let's find a spring. And let's check this water. If it's good water, if it's bitter, it's bitter. Those of us who know what springs are like, if a spring comes up with one kind of a water, it remains like that. 
You go there Monday, you go Tuesday, you go Wednesday, you go Thursday, you go Friday, you go Saturday, you go Sunday. Every time you go there, you're going to get the same kind of award. If it's good water, you're going to find good water. James says, does a fig tree produces olive or a grapevine produces figs? Rhetorical question. Figs grow and they produce figs. Grapevines produce grape. Olives produce olive. No, and you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. There's never a time you're going to go in the, sea, the ocean. And draw some water from that ocean. And not be salty. That's the nature of the ocean. Now, if you are wise and understand God's ways, if we are wise, if we understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life. In other words, nobody needs to say, I'm a Christian. Nobody needs to say, I'm living for Jesus. You can say it, it's fine. But the proof is in the package. I can jump, I can preach, I can skip as high as this ceiling would allow me to. But if you don't see a life lived for Christ, you know something is wrong. Prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. Now, James is not talking about the wisdom of this world. He's not talking about uh, the nature of this world, the systems of this world and what it dictates, the philosophy of this world. Wisdom came down from above. When we talk about the word becoming flesh. In the Greek we say the logos. In the Hebrew we say the memra. Which is the wisdom of God. Wisdom is the revelation of Jesus Christ. The will of God to man. And we get to understand what's God's will to us when we begin to read the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. When we begin to read the scriptures. Then we get to understand what is his will for us. That's another subject all by itself. A lot of folks spend time in the church for years asking God, what is my will? What is your will for me? What is your will for me? You're only going to find it in the word of God. You can't pray to God for your will and never read the word. 
He's not going to answer you. I can save you some time. What is my will? Lord, I just want to know my will so I can serve you. That you may know him. That's the will of God. That you may know him, believe on him, which was sent. When you begin to believe on Jesus Christ now, concerning your activity in the kingdom of God, then he will begin to reveal it. Because he put some gifts in you. He has a calling on your life. But you can't know anything about that until you accept his will. The yoke of the kingdom. The burden of the kingdom. Lord, I just want to do what you want me to do, Lord. Being subjected to the king. Meaning bent over. Meaning my will is now bent to the Lord Jesus Christ. I no longer have a will of my own. I'm subjecting myself to the wisdom that's from above. Everything that is in this world, that's why I read it, 1 John 2, verse 16, 17, the world and everything that's in it passeth away. But the man who has the gift of God, the spirit of God living in him, abides forever. The wisdom of God is in him. He abides forever. The man who knows, hallelujah, spend time to understand the ways of God. To understand the character of God. To understand what it means to receive the revelation of God. Like Abraham, coming out of or of the Chaldees, look on everything that his father had. Look on all the possessions, the worldly possessions, the gifts that his parents would have given him. And look on it and said, I understand that there's a God beyond, hallelujah, what my eyes can see. Everything I see here is going to pass away, but I want to know the one who abides forevermore. And God began to reveal to him the wisdom that's from above. I want us, I'm going very slowly this morning because there's a different spirit that's moving in this world. We have, there's a generation that's coming up that's trusting in the wisdom of men. I'm not talking people on the outside. I'm talking people in the church. They're given to the wisdom of men, leaving behind the wisdom that comes from above. It is becoming scary. Scary. Philosophies, philosophies of men are being promoted above the word of God. We have a generation now that's trying to marry eternity. The things, the divinity with the things of this world. Trying to bridge, bring them into uh, as one. The world that's passing away and, and bringing in divinity. Because we refuse to be subjected to the wisdom that's from above. Because the wisdom that's from above is an opposing force to the nature of today. Because everything is fast, quick. And that wisdom is not necessarily operating on your timeline. 
Never does. That kind of a wisdom understands the entirety of man. Understands the weakness of man. And knows if the answer is given now, we won't find you tomorrow. Because if I give you the answer now, you won't be able to handle it. So I've got to process you. Look on the life of Joseph, favored by his father, given a coat of many colors. And that boy began to see his brothers and how they were operating and watched them and brought back news to their, their, his dad, give a report on his older brothers. The Lord says, Purpose is on your life, Joseph. But I'm going to have to discipline you. I'm going to have to process you for you to handle the purpose that's on your life. Brothers became envious, plotted against him. And God gave the brothers room to operate. Hello, somebody. That's the sovereignty of God. While he went searching for his brother, heard that they have gone down to Dothan. Went a little further, they saw him coming. Said, oh, here comes the dreamer. One that wants to rule over us. They plotted against him. God allowed him to be sold into slavery. The sovereign will of God. God allowed Jacob's heart to be broken. And to mourn the sovereign will of God. But the Lord, the scripture tells us. While he was on his way down, going down into Egypt with the Midianites, the Lord was with him. Found favor in the house of Potiphar, the Lord was with him. God gave room to Potiphar's wife to test him. He had some level of integrity, would not sin against his God. Potiphar's wife lied. He was thrown into prison, but the Lord was with him. From prison to palace, the Lord was with him. But brothers and sisters, there's a, a level of impatience there's a level of misunderstanding as to how the kingdom of God operates. We want to be in control of God's kingdom. We want to dictate how God's kingdom must progress, how it must operate, how it is to, to function in today's time. Not so with the Lord. He is the king. He is the one that's in control. James says, if you are wise and understand God's ways, in other words, 
the man who is wise is the man who has subjected himself to the will of God. Lord, I don't know what to do except you tell me. Lord, I don't know where to go except you show me. That's why God loved David so much. He has never launched an attack because he desired to on any nation. Always other nations attacking Israel. And every time David will not move even though he could look on the strength of his army and perhaps think that this army is powerful enough to handle the kind of enemy that just attacked us. But David never made a decision to fight. We're talking about one who the Lord said he had a bloody hand. But he never made a decision on his own to fight. Never. When he's attacked, he inquires of the Lord. He goes before the Lord and he said, Lord, should I go? And the Lord will say, go, David. When you see the shaking of the mulberry tree, you can go. And every time, led of the Lord, he's victorious. The wisdom, understanding the ways of God. And James says now, but if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. If you are bitterly Jealous. What a way to describe it. A jealousy. And you have selfish ambition in your heart. I'm going very slow this morning. The ambition of the believer should have everything to do with the will of God. A man who is used of the Lord. A man who is called of the Lord. You can ask such a one in the beginning stages of his walk with the Lord. He never knew where he would end up. He's just walking with the Lord. And God just promote him. God just use him in various avenues in the kingdom. God just give him gifts. When I say him, I mean both male and female. He does not carry a selfish ambition. Because in his mind, the kingdom comes above everything else. He's not looking to promote himself. He's not looking for anything for himself. He wants to see the kingdom of God progress. He wants the kingdom of God is at his heart. I want to see the kingdom, thy kingdom come. 
thy will be done. That's what I want. No selfish ambition. We have folks who have selfish ambition in the fellowship. They set their minds on something and everything, every ounce of energy they're using to go after what they have in their mind, a selfish ambition. A man who is walking with the Lord understands that there is a time limit on certain functions that he has in the kingdom. He knows that he can't function in such a capacity forever. Today he may be a preacher, but he won't preach forever. Brethren, it's the truth. Some of us wrestle with it. We want to be 80 and 88, and we still want to preach like when we were 20. I look at that and I start to prepare my mind. I don't want to make some mistakes like I've seen others make. I begin to prepare my mind and have in mind a time possibly when I should transition. Somebody say, Pastor, you're young. But if you train your mind now, when you're old, you'll be comfortable to make the decision. But if you wait until you're old to let go, Power is going to sweep you. And it's a struggle to step aside. And then you have others who are falling behind that needs to be promoted and they're living in your shadow and strength leaving them. And the whole generation is lost. James says, if you are bitterly jealous and there's selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasted and lying. Back to the tongue. The tongue has the ability to hide what's inside. It will boast. Oh, brother David, I just like when you pray. I like it. You know, I feel the power of God. Why am I speaking tongues like that? Pray too long. Pastor asked him to pray and he would pray the whole service. Thank God I'm not on Zoom. And, I, and let me say for those who are on Zoom, I appreciate you logging on. But for me, I'm saying thank God because I can see the faces. 18 months preaching into a camera. I don't know when I say something and somebody's upset and just turn it off. I'm on it, Pastor. And sometimes I know. And sometimes I feel it in my spirit. Praise the name of the Lord. Folks just stop smiling. It's true, folks. Sometimes I feel it in my spirit. Brethren, this Holy Ghost is real. 
I know the Lord was leading me one way when I was younger. And I, I spent some time at my uncle's church. And I, I, at a different church now. And I, there was a members meeting, but I was absent. I couldn't attend. And when I was at, when I, while I was there at home, I was praying. I began to hear what someone was saying about me in the members meeting. My little sister got home and I said, I said to her, uh, why was such and such a person saying some things about me at the members meeting? She was shocked. I said, yes, they said such and such. I preach at the church I'm coming from down by Dr. Cawley one Sunday morning. I preach a word of God. God gave me a word and I preached that morning. I left church. And I was crying on my way, driving home, crying. We lived in a little basement apartment in Woodbridge here. And I was crying. And when I got home, on my way home, I, I went inside my bedroom and I knelt by my bed and I was crying and praying to the Lord. The Lord spoke to me and said, they are asking who gave you such authority. A group, a clique. Is asking who gave you such authority to speak like this. And I begin to cry and pray for them. The Holy Ghost speaks, brothers and sisters. The Holy Ghost speaks. A preacher came by about a, a, a week or two weeks after and preached a similar message. I'm heading home that day, but I wasn't crying. I'm driving home. Uh, the cell phone rang. My wife answered it. Someone was on the line wanting to talk to me. She put it on my ears. The person was crying. I said, what's wrong? I said, Elder James, I, I just, I'm just calling to tell you I'm sorry. I said, sorry for what? Please forgive me. I said, for what? I said, I was a part of a group of people saying who gave you such authority to preach like that. I said, uh, well, I don't have anything to forgive you about. That's between you and God. And you go talk to him. Make it right with him. He will forgive you. I didn't want to take any offense on my side. We learned that from scripture. They didn't reject you. They asked for a king. It's not you who they rejected. It's me. Praise the name of the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. The kind of boasting and covering up. Hypocrisy. Selfish ambition. Know that we don't align ourselves with the will of God. And yet boast that we are in the will of God. Boast that we are green with the church. See, brothers, if we fix, if we if we begin to fix this fellowship and get into unity, uh, those who are of that nature will not have the ability to stand and fellowship among us. Somebody said, No, Pastor. It has always been like that. The wheat and the tear have to grow together. You go read that Bible again. 
Never say in the assembly. <laughs> you read it again, brothers and sisters. This whole world is in the kingdom. Is, this whole world belongs to God. And out of this world, there's a people that belongs to him. All souls belong to God. Look back on the fellowship that was there in the first century. And one man decided that he's going to provoke the Lord. He's going to break fellowship. Split the fellowship. Split the, the oneness, the unity that was among the brethren. Something foreign was coming into the church. See, husbands and wives, God put you together. You balance each other. I love Sister Maria, but I ain't going to agree with her if she's acting against the will of God. And I tell her, don't agree with me if you see me doing something that's against the will of God. I never marry a yes person. The wife must have the will of God as her ambition. The husband must have the will of God as his ambition. The man decided something in his heart and the night. And Sapphira had the opportunity to rebuke her, him. No, no, Ananias. I'm not in agreement with that. I'm not coming to church with you. If that's what you're going to do, I'm not coming with you this morning. And God knows as soon as I see Peter, I'm going to tell him. Because you're being a hypocrite. I'm not agreeing with hypocrisy. What's wrong with, what's wrong with saying that? Nothing is wrong. But she listened to the voice of Ananias and agreed. The woman should challenge her husband to bring out the best. Bring out the truth. And we all have struggled. Man have a, had a challenge with parting with the money. But he wanted to look like another. I believe it was Joseph. The gentleman, I forgot the name now, that sold land and gave it to the church. But he wanted to look like that individual. See, some people see some folks operating church and see the man that's walking with the Lord operating some way and he's desirous of getting the praise. He's desirous of looking. He wants people to think that the he is or she is like that man. And so instead of going before the Lord and said, God, you know I have a problem with money. You know, Lord, I want to give it to you, but I tend to be a little bit selfish. Would you help me? I, I, I don't want money to be a master over my life. But would you help me to part with it, to give freely? You see, folks, we don't, we, don't want to, we don't want to be real before God. Lord, the church is asking for $1,000. 
to replace some broken fixtures. I have it in my account, Lord. I, have, I want to give it, but there's a wrestling in my mind. Would you help me, Lord? But there's a man now who all he wants is the praises of men. Just want to look good. But truth is not on the inward part. And that's what God wants. So he covers it up. Boasting and lying. Lying in action. In speech. He lies because his action caused others to think of him. Of being such a person when he's not. Deceives. Now, James says, jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. A person who is jealous. You see, brothers and sisters, uh, we can be jealous of anything. Because we own nothing. God is the only one that has the right to be jealous. He created and he owns everything. Naked we came into this world. And naked we're going to leave. He says jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. You don't get that out of the nature of God. The selfish ambition, it's not from above. The one that's from above will want to promote his brother. The one that's from above will want to lift up his brother. The one that's from above will, will bend to allow the brother to stand on the shoulder and say, go, God has given you it. I can support you. Stand on my shoulders. The one that's from above will encourage. The wisdom that's from above will encourage the believer. God has empowered you at such a time like this. Be bold. Stand up and be counted. It is in you. God has put it in you. It's not of God, not God's kind of wisdom. He says such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. That's a very strong word. It's a strong language that James is using. James is saying that there are folks in the church who operate on the wisdom of this world, the strife, the fighting, the quarreling, which he described in the earlier chapter. He said those kind of, a, 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 the, 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 what we see happening here, uh, I can tell that you don't have the wisdom of God. God is not sitting on the throne of your heart. God don't have your mind. 
you're not subjected to the grace of God, which should teach us to deny the, this kind of a wisdom. This kind of a wisdom, he says, it's, it's earthly. You get it from the broken world that you live in. It's unspiritual. And it's demonic. Brothers and sisters, that's a strong statement. When we see fights and wars, a brother can't agree with a brother. A sister and a brother is fighting. And we see jealousy raising up its ugly head and taking a stronghold in the assembly. Something is wrong. James says something is wrong. It means the wisdom of God is not ruling the assembly. James says it's unspiritual and it's demonic. Folks who have a selfish ambition, folks who carry the spirit of jealousy is operating under the influence of demons. Praise the name of the Lord. That's the Bible. That's Brother James that's talking to us. If I can't agree with my brother. If I, he's, he's walking with the Lord. And I'm jealous of him. Why, 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 why does he think that he alone knows the scripture? Why does he think that he alone uh, can teach? The tongue again. Ask Miriam. Ask Aaron. We are all holy. Why does Moses think? Aren't we God's people too? And the thought that hit the mind was expressed. Oh God said... (laughs) I hear, I hear a language in the camp that I'm going to make an example out of. And so the Lord said, separate Miriam. I'm going to touch her. I'm going to spear her soul, but I've got to make an example out of her because her tongue is unruly. In Judaism, they call it evil speech. So even though you read about the life of Miriam, a tower of strength behind the leadership of Moses, she had to learn. And so God just touched her. And the next thing we know, leprosy was upon her. And when a person became leprous, it's a death sentence. Moses pleaded for her. And God said, I hear your prayer, Moses, but set her outside the camp. 
she must remain out there until she's clean. I will heal her. So leave her outside the camp. I'm going to make a public example of her. Oh, Jesus, not doing those things. He's such a loving God. He's such a loving God. He's such a loving God. Those are things that, uh, it's the grace of God that we're seeing now. Those things don't happen again. That's what today's church believe. One God. If you say that Jesus is God, how can he change? Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Jesus Christ, the express image of the invisible God, never changes. Telling you, brothers and sisters, I've seen folks become sick and have been asked to pray and can't pray. Pray for such a one. And I can't pray, elder. And all I can say, God have mercy. I've been in prayer lines behind my pastor praying and folks are coming up in the line. And people are being healed and delivered and people are filled with the Holy Ghost. Man came up sick, afflicted. And in the midst of such a powerful anointing, you're witnessing dumb folks begin to speak. Ears that are deaf begin to open up. And in such a powerful move of God, I see a man come up. And he's been told to stand over the other side. In his sickness. Can't touch him. And he's been given one word from the Lord. Go make it right with your pastor and you will be healed. He's a stranger. But that's the word that comes from the Lord. Meaning that. God put it upon him. Nobody's going to say amen. God will give room for the devil to touch you. To discipline us. But it's an act of love. If we begin to see the hand of God. Job could pray until he was weak. God gave the devil room. Gave him space. You can touch him. But the soul is mine. You can't destroy him. Got to understand the sovereignty of God. God will use people. God will use uh, different ones to discipline his saints. So, so the wisdom of this world, brothers and sisters, in my closing, it's sensual. Easily to get upset, to be provoked to unrighteousness. I stand here and I sing a song, and, 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 and I sing a song, and the congregation is blessed. And because a next person who's sitting back down there, I, I hear, let me use myself, 
So Brother Oral comes here and he sings a song. And the, and the congregation is blessed. And I'm sitting back down and say, boy, I could do a little better job on that because it never hit the note right. I begin to measure myself again. Say, I have a selfish ambition. And do you know, brothers and sisters, that there are some folks, even some folks are gifted. God gave them a gift. But along with the gift, a man must understand that the word of God stands as the authority over the gift. And one will begin to understand and how to operate in his or her gift that she gets from the Lord when they begin to understand the word of God. Not the emotion. And so an individual can be gifted in the church. And this is the danger of gifts. Gifted but immature. Gifted but does not understand the word of God. And so because I can discern. And I see things in the spirit. And now God raises up. The next person, perhaps younger. And they begin to see too. But I was seen for a number of years in the church. And that gift gave me influence over the church. Hello, somebody. And I recognized the influence I was having. People come to me and say, can you pray for me such and such? And I, I begin to take pride in the fact that people are seeing me. And so, a next person begins to prophesy, begins to see in the spirit. God begin to use that individual. And then all of a sudden the true nature or where I stand in God is now being exposed. Because I, I start to feel uncomfortable of the fact that God is using such and such a person. There's never a time I would come here and people wouldn't ask me to pray but now I'm passing by and I'm hearing others saying to the other person, can you pray for me? And so I begin to feel like I'm left out. And then I begin to feel I do nothing with that feeling. I did not present that feeling to the Lord. I did not tell the Lord God, or did not even speak to myself. God, I know this feeling is not right. Can you help me through it? Or Satan, the Lord rebuke you. Kneel 
This is not the way that the Lord wants you to think. Stop it. Let your ears hear your talk. But I give room to it and I watch it. And somebody comes to me now who had gone to the person the next time come to me and say, can you pray for me? I said, why you not go over so I ask for prayer? That one, you never go to that one. Let him pray for you, man. The, in, the jealousy now is, is building up on the inside. Jealousy. A burning fire. That's the expression from the Hebrew or from the Greek. A passion that's, that's burning on the inside. You can't contain it. And you become jealous. brothers, because what is taking place in your mind now is of, of this world. It's sensual. It plunges, plunges you into immense darkness where you begin to operate through a demonic influence. Demonic. You can shout Jesus, you can skip, you can hang on the cinder chandelier. Or you're influenced by a demon. You can't bless the other individual. Man preach in the pulpit. And speak. And go hand the mic over to you to preach. And, and ministers, I'm telling you. Every minister that's here. When one preach and another comes up, don't preach beyond where the minister went. That's church discipline. Make, don't come in the pulpit with the next message after God has given the next message. This I'm setting this congregation straight. You come here and if you're going to do the altar call, you listen. You listen. You never know when God's going to use you to do the altar call. Listen to where God is going. So sit back down there and after a while, I, I noticed uh, when I was at Mount Zion, uh, pastors always ask me to come and do the altar call. I sit there and I make sure when people are jumping, I can't jump because I don't know if he's going to ask me. And so I make sure I hear every word where he's going. Because I have to line up myself with him. I can't come and do an altar call with him after him if I was never with him. And I can't be searching scriptures and doing all sort of stuff when the preacher is preaching. And then when he asks me to come and follow behind him, I don't even know what he said. Hello, somebody. Discipline. And so when we are in the church, we look out for one another because we operate on the wisdom of God. This church is going, it's going to go through a, a sweeping. I see folks, I come here for a little bit, for, for a couple of years now, and folks, we call them deacons in the house, but they're absent. Never here. We give them a title, deacon. I'm going to read back what the scripture says. 
who a deacon should be, who a minister of the gospel should be. I'm going to ask every man in here, a missionary, an evangelist, what the word of God requires. And if you don't match up, I'm going, I'm going to tell the congregation, brothers and sisters, look, at me, look me square in my eyes. I'm going to tell the congregation you're not functioning in that office. And I want you to look me boldly in my eyes. I don't care who promoted you. If I'm going to watch over your soul, you must be in subjection to the word of God. I have, if God didn't set you up, we will have to put you down. Can't clap. Don't clap, don't clap, don't clap, don't clap. This is serious business. How sweeping. We will never progress if we are not in order. Do you know, brothers and sisters, that we can have dozens of prophecies over our life? But if we don't subject ourselves to the order of God, those, those prophecies will be like a, a cloud sitting over us. Never open to rain down. Ministers and love money, you are not of God. Can't be. Can't be. Brothers and sisters, can't be. And the reason I'm telling you, I'm not just preaching something that I, I hear. God tested me. The mercies of God speared me. I told you before, I was making money. After a while, I recognized one day, working on the Saturday in the field. When I pull up at a certain section to do a work in the, uh, as a field technician at one o'clock on the Saturday, I step out of my vehicle to look on the, uh, on the site and I felt the presence of God. And I felt the presence of God. I wonder what happened when I look back on the time. It was one o'clock. One o'clock was the time I always meet with the Lord on a Saturday. But this time I was in the field and the Lord showed up because I, I had an appointment with him. But my mind was somewhere else. I went home. I had ball in the field. I went home and I told my wife and she was always saying to me at the time, uh, you, you got to stay home on Saturdays. And I'm saying, no, honey. Uh, you know, we just come to this country. I got to set this family straight. Look after the family. I don't care so much about myself right now, but I need my family to be provided for in such and such. And so we will make it. I wouldn't listen to what the wife was saying. Thinking that I need to push out certain efforts. Some of us men don't listen. Tear our families apart. I told the Lord, not one more day. I'm not going back out there. Packed up. Devil flash that, 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 that those money in front of my eyes. I said, money, my God almighty, hallelujah. I'm not coming your way. I'm parting with you. I need but my focus upon the Lord. The minister must overcome the power of money. 
the God of this world. Hello, somebody. Hallelujah. 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 Praise the name of the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. So in closing, brothers and sisters, I'm telling you there's a, there's a demonic influence that some of us operate under. then because the lord uses us in such and such a way when he uses us we want to influence others as if they owe us something nobody don't owe you anything or if it's, it's that you believe that you, you deserve something for your prophecy then if you get the gift bring it back to god because it's not your word Brothers and sisters, we need to know the discipline of the church. I, I, I'm coming from way back when a pastor, I had a pastor, back my father's um, pastor, an organization that he served in Bishop Walters. There were folks who disrespected the church, turned their backs on the church, and would send an offering to the church, and he would send it back. He said, don't put that in the, in, in, in the church offering. You don't align yourself with God. This church don't need your money. But what we have now is preachers who are just licky-licky. They just love everything. You know, just love, 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 love money. You know the, the, you know the individual soul is set on a path to hell. And you're taking the money. How do I know that? My father, we were building the church as a young lad there. And the church was being constructed. And there was a man that wanted to give to the church, the backslider, he wanted to come and lay bricks or concrete blocks free of charge. Bishop had a problem with it. Bishop said, no. You can't do that. They must have pleaded with Bishop. Bishop said, okay. He wants to Build, he wants to build and give back. Save his money in a separate account. If he opens his mouth against the church, give him back every dime that he's worth. Let there be no reproach upon the name of the Lord. Brothers and sisters, I, I'm asking you, pray for me. Pray for me. Pray for me. Pray fervently for me. Hallelujah. Pray for me. Overcome some levels of fear and God will give me boldness to stand up for what he requires. Brothers, there's, there are a bunch of crazy stuff happening across the church. And people are putting it under the umbrella of grace and say it will work out. We had leaders. I'm talking about men. I don't know what you have seen. Many of you are in churches a long time ago. And I, I'm not going to be one of them that won't tell you it's a Jamaican. Uh, uh, it's different in Jamaica. It's the Jamaican Holy Ghost. There's no such thing in the kingdom of God. There's one Holy Ghost. Wherever, once you're in the kingdom, you get one Holy Ghost. But I've seen men... I have, exp have experience, shared experience with men who hazarded their lives for the sake of the gospel. 
They preached to the church and the church knew that they owed that man nothing. Never begged the church. My own uncle who just passed on the other way, other day, my dad said when he came there, gave up everything, his prestigious job and everything, came to the country preaching. Rented a little shack. But the people saw that their pastor was living in such a place, they, feel, they felt embarrassed. Because he didn't want to put a burden on the church. Rented a little place that was not, uh, just did not look proper. And the people said, no, we have to, uh, we have to get something else for pastor. It doesn't look right. But what am I saying? These men put God's kingdom first. They were not just excited to preach. They were about living for Jesus. Working down here, I heard Elder Brown made a statement about a pastor, a pastor back in St. Anne's. He said, brethren, jump as high as you want. Praise and worship and the service is fiery. Jump as high as this roof would allow you to. But when you drop down back on your two feet, live it. If we are truthful to our, ourselves, brothers and sisters, you will, we will begin to confess that a little bit of the wisdom of this world is affecting us. Paul preached against the philosophies of men. Deceitful. And it has influenced a generation that's coming after us. Now, there's a damage that's already done. And if we don't, if we don't stand up for a cause this moment in time, stand up, dare to be different, Dear to stand alone. We're going to be, we're just going to pass away like everybody else. What we have here now is not a movement of Christ. A pretty building. A monument. The glory departed and the building is standing. And we're shouting. We're skipping and we're preaching hard amongst ourselves. Swinging on chandeliers. And there's no glory. Because everybody's sensual. Everybody's being told, you're streaming now, pastor. You got to put a good package that you can get the clicks and the likes and folks will be interested in your ministry. Hello, YouTube. Hello, Facebook. I come preaching Jesus and him crucified. I don't have a package except what the Lord has given me. Brothers, I'm telling you, there's a strong pull for us to be conformed to the culture, the cultural norms of society, to the cultural norms of our assemblies. We want to present a Christianity to God that he never gave us. 
world has changed and the church got to move with it. Then move. You move. How can I move? Behold, I send you a sheep among wolves. Be wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove. Don't you worry one day. Hallelujah. Yes, you look like the prey. But you're standing on this rock and the gates of hell shall not prevail against you. Go in my strength. Hallelujah. I will be with you. You are the salt in the world. You are the light of the world. Shine in the darkness of this present age. Don't cover it up under the bushel. But shine that men may see the good light and glorify the Father which is in heaven. But the wisdom of this world tells us now, no, 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 no. You can't present it like Peter did, like Paul did, uh, like James did and John did. Uh, you can't be so sharp like John the Baptist. You got to know now how to use your words. So I'm going to send you off to seminary to know how to present a sermon. I'm not, I'm not hitting against seminary. It's good to go study the Bible. But one must know that you're led by the spirit and not by the wisdom of men. And so and now you come out now as a, 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 a pre-packaged preacher. Full of the wisdom of this world and the philosophies of men. You can talk about Stoic. You can talk about all these different uh, 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 philosophers. You can quote the philosophies. You know how to you know, you know how to get a service going. You know how to attract the crowd. Preachers are never sent to attract crowds. I feel like talking to the church. Preachers are never sent to, 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 to try to, uh, to emotionally drive and influence a crowd. You're called to preach the word which will challenge the crowd. Sometimes preach the word which will split the crowd and pull up people out of the crowd and those who won't align themselves with the word of God, they will go. The preacher knows that. At least the true preacher knows that. The true preacher knows that he's not presenting a message for people just to pick, but he's preaching at the heart of people. That means he's prepared to say the hard things. The things that God anointed him to say that he doesn't want to say. That's preaching, brothers and sisters. You say some things that you don't want to say. And when you leave out of the pulpit, you just feel like hiding. <laughs> there are many days I leave, I just, I just don't want to talk to nobody. Ask my wife. 
finish on the Zoom, finish at church, and I'm going home. I'm just silent. I don't want to talk. And when I was at home, these 18 months preaching, as soon as it finished, I'm gone. I disappear out of the house. I just want a, a, a time alone where God can probably get my mind back together. For God, you made me say some crazy stuff. I can't handle it. Brothers and sisters, church is about salvation. Church is about a man's soul and God. Nothing else. Not about parties. Not about drinks. Not about merrymaking. It's about Jesus. And I struggled when I just came here. God began to use me to do some stuff. And we just sit. And I understand. Looking back, I understand. Folks are just sit to do the norm. What they used to do. What they were accustomed to do. And so it becomes a struggle. Because something is cutting against the grain. Against the norm. And the tendency. The human tendency is to fight against it. As a wisdom of men. The wisdom of God will allow a man to stand in awe and say, I'll wait and see. This looks like the hand of God. I want to subject myself to it. Hello, somebody. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Brothers and sisters, I'm telling you where my mind is. This church will be filled out. But I'm not preaching for crowd. I want to present to God a church that's looking for him. A church that has faith. Come on, somebody. A church that God can look at and say, I see my love in the hearts of the brothers and sisters. Stand, stand everyone, stand. I feel like I could go next hour. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I've been talking, I've been talking since the last two Sundays about the spirit of jealousy, and I'm coming to preach on it. God gonna give, but I have to go in some fasting. Hallelujah. This weekend we're gonna be on some fasting. Praise the name of the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. We don't handle this kind of a spirit. Hallelujah. Uh, it's a deep-seated dragon. Deep, 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 deep. Today you prophesy. Today God give you a word. And tomorrow you feel like, where's God? The jealousy cloak around you. The darkness swallowing you up. My God Almighty. Hallelujah. Today you feel a strength. My God Almighty. Hallelujah. I was over there on the other side one day. I'm preaching, preaching, preaching. My God Almighty. I begin to preach Jesus. And I felt something lift off my back. You, you think this spirit world is it, it's, it's real, brothers and sisters. Real, 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 real. 
my God Almighty, hallelujah. The jealousy, the jealousy of men, the nature the, of this world. This whole world is set on a course that's going to hell. And the wisdom of this world is hell bound. The great minds of this world, the great philosophies, philosophers and, and the philosophy of this world is hell bound. Only the thing that comes from above. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So if I prophesy, if God anoints me to pray, it must be from above. It must be praying in the wisdom of God. It must be prophesying in the wisdom of God. It must be discerning in the wisdom of God. It must be preaching in the wisdom of God. You're not listening to a next man message and coming here and preaching it. Hallelujah. I was telling somebody yesterday, I loaned my Bible to an individual back in Jamaica. And when I got back the Bible, I saw about six pages of notes. I begin to read through those notes and I said, my God, this message sounds familiar. When I recognized the young man, uh, he wanted, to, he wanted to, uh, to be received by the crowd. He listened to a famous preacher and wrote out the notes. And come and preach it back to a congregation. And the congregation was skipping good word. Wrong notes. Any notes, it's got to be notes that God give me. Any notes, it's got to be notes, hallelujah, that the Lord uh, 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 has influenced my mind with. Nothing is wrong, brothers and sisters. If you got something, because a lot of things that I have received, it's not on my own. Being on the other pastors, heard what they said, read it, preached, they taught me. And I receive it in my spirit. And I'm sharing with you now. Some things God gave me. But some things you receive it from your fathers in the faith. Or those who are ahead of you. Nothing is wrong in sharing those. But don't prepare a message to preach. Using the next man's notes. Church, we've got to love Jesus. Oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. Holiness unto the Lord. Holiness unto the Lord. Holiness unto the Lord. Don't cover up. Don't be, don't be a hypocrite in God's house. Don't cover up. The church is a healing station. If you, if you are sick, you must be healed. This is the right place. No need to play the hypocrite. If you're struggling with something, it's the right place. Don't pretend if you're struggling with your flesh, it's the right place. We have folks who have passed through the same struggles. Some don't want to talk about it. I'll talk about mine. I've passed through many a struggle and the Lord has helped me to overcome. The love of God has helped me to overcome. He can help you too. Thank you. Have thine own way, Lord. 